Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's Kegolasso weekend preview Man City against Tottenham. We have Arsenal against Leeds, Leicester City against Liverpool. Some big games in Italy as well as Napoli face Juventus and Inter Milan host Lazio. We talk MLS as the season opener is now April 17. We have Jimmy Conrad, James Bench. Kegolasso weekend preview begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Go La So, our weekend preview. James Bange will join us soon, but we begin with Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, what's up, man? What is up, everybody? How's it going? I'm excited to be here talking the beautiful game. As always, Luis. I love it. I love it. Uh, good to have you here, brother. Our weekend preview. Dare we say our biggest episode of the week. <laughs> I, I feel like we can say that before every weekend preview. There's always <laughs> massive games, so I, I'm excited to get into it. Absolutely. And let's get into it. But before we begin and talk to you about some matches uh, across Europe, of course, I uh, want to begin with some news. Let's begin with MLS. Jimmy Conrad uh, deserves uh, love always uh, here on Kego Lasso. Of course, you a former player, former defender of the year, but also just because of the recent news that's happened, uh, the league is delayed to April 17th, which is, I, I think, uh, didn't really shock me. Right. Just with everything that's going on, but perhaps shocked a few, but also uh, the new CBA agreement with the Players Association and, of course, the league itself. I'm not going to get too much into it. <laughs> but they, I don't, nobody basically loses here. Uh, you would think that the owners and the league wins a little bit more than the players themselves just because the majeure clause is still in effect, uh, uh, but players won't lose their salaries in 2021. But also some other caveats from Don Garber's statement, uh, one of them saying apparently that, you know, they're looking to lose about a billion dollars in 2021. A lot to digest. I just wanted your thoughts <laughs> on everything. Well, uh, a lot to digest, <laughs> but I want your thoughts, but let's keep it short so we can get into the weekend previews. I know where this is going. Listen, I not only had all those accolades that you mentioned, I appreciate you pumping me up. I was also a part of the executive committee for the players union for the first CBA. So I have some extensive experience, let's say, with regard to these situations. The, the statements that Don Garber has made, uh, more often than not are very strategic when it comes to this type of stuff. $1 billion sounds like something Dr. Evil would say, you know, $1 million. <laughs> we have no fans in the stadium. It's $1 billion we're losing. And that's a lot just from stand or from the fans just showing up at the stadium. I mean, what are they charging for tickets? That's what I want to know, like thousands of dollars. So, so I understand you're going to throw that number out there. It's a big one. And the league has grown immensely. I, I say this as a fan of Don Garber. The league has grown by leaps and bounds since he's taken over. We are friends outside of this. And I don't want to take anything or dismiss anything that he's done to help grow the game in this country in particular. However, he's got a job to do, and that's to protect the owners and to protect the league. And sometimes you're going to butt heads with the players. So I come from a very player first uh, perspective. I am a little disappointed that they even allowed the force majeure into the original agreement. And now apparently there is, because for everybody that doesn't know, that just means that the league can then 
use the force majeure and then say, hey, we want to re renegotiate. Like they, that should never have been allowed to be entered into it. I know that the pandemic is a very unique circumstances, you know, once in a lifetime type thing. So I get that they're trying to have some caveats there and try to be understanding. I just feel like the players maybe conceded too much. The two years to extend to it, like having an eight year, seven year CBA is crazy. Their leverage was getting out of the CBA right before the World Cup that we're hosting in 2026. We all know there's going to be a big boost. So for them to concede that, as well as some other things, it was like, wow, that, that's a lot. And I think if they would have stood their ground, it wasn't a unanimous vote, by the way. It was, I think, 24 to 11 that in favor of, of ratifying the CBA. I've been there before where a lot of players just don't want to deal with it. They just want to play. Yeah, They, they have families to think about. They have immediate concerns to think about, and they can't risk, especially in a pandemic. How are they going to go get a job somewhere else? They can't. If they go to another country, it's kind of complicated to make those moves. So I could see the players kind of coming together and going, man, we're handcuffed here. And they kind of got us by the balls, for lack of a better description. And, and we need to figure out where we can get our little wins. They got a couple little wins. But I said, whittle wins. I love that. I'm like, I'm speaking to a toddler. They got some whittle wins, but uh, they, <laughs> they, I just felt like, ah, oh, there's just some big, big concessions. And so it is what it is. And they're going to build off from there. I know everybody's going to be happy to get the game going. I'm happy that there's not going to be a work stoppage either. But those concessions, I felt like the owners got, got a lot of them. And uh, we're, we're going to see, right? Time will tell who ends up winning the, uh, or the long term of the deal, but I suspect that uh, MLS and its owners will end up doing that. And what's unfortunate is that in eight years or seven years when this is done in 2027, that this, this is going to be a whole new the crop of players that, that haven't lived through this experience. And now kind of MLS gets to, to, I don't know, I don't know if it helps or hurts to have different voices in there, but if you don't have anybody on the exec committee or on the, the, the player's side that have lived through a lot of these things and some of the things that the league have done, it's going to be really important for the players union to make sure that those voices still stay true and have really talked to the guys that have lived through all these other previous CBAs. Yeah, you made uh, a, a lot of really good points. The first one, by the way, for everybody to know, the, the milieu, that goes uh, until December uh, 1st. So like anything can happen after that, I guess. But it is a major component. Basically, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like a proverbial uh, red light traffic stop. It's like, whoa, everything stopped for a second. We need to uh, reconsider this because of uh, external circumstances, that being, of course, the pandemic, which is really the protagonist of all of this. And to your point, some players are just like, Look, I just want to get there and play and, and earn my keep. And to be honest with you, enough is enough kind of thing. The other big point that you raise is the 2026 World Cup. The fact that this is now goes beyond that. And that's huge. Because was, leading up to the World Cup in 2026, the players would have had a lot of leverage in terms of their rights, uh, you, know, uh, you know, just heightening and strengthening their uh, contract agreements, everything. So that's massive, the fact that this now goes beyond that. That's huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's huge. That was their biggest leverage for me. And they, and they just let it go. Now, it, it had to be hard. I'm sure they've had multiple discussions. Obviously, I'm friends with a lot of the players that are that are still kind of involved, the older guys. Uh, and Bob Foose, who runs the MLS Players Union, been friends for, for many, 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 many years. So these are smart people that are taking everything into consideration. And when I went through it with the executive committee for the first CBA, we knew the hardest person to, to kind of to, to convince to maybe go out and, and do a strike was the one that was home. His wife didn't work. He's got three kids. And he's on 90 grand. And what is he going to do if 
if the, there's a work stoppage. Like he, that player in particular was screwed. Not the Beckhams of the world, not the ones that already had their money. Even the guys that were making, you know, 30 grand at the time, they're like, well, I only make 30 grand. I can go do that managing McDonald's. You know, like there was, the, that those guys were like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm not making that much in any, the guys at the top end didn't matter. It was that middle class. And I get the sense that this middle class could get stung again or would have been stung with the work stoppage. And I think that middle class is a little bit bigger now in MLS as obviously the teams have grown and the budgets have grown. So, and they're freezing the, the, the budgets as well, the salary caps for two seasons. Uh, so there's not going to be really that much growth, which limits some of this quote unquote free agency that's now being allowed into it. I don't know. It's, it's complicated, of course. Uh, when I think about like a straight up winner, I think the owners got a little bit better of the deal, but again, you're just not going to know until, until time plays out. I will say though, the CBA was originally supposed to end in 2025. And to your point, Luis, I'm glad you brought it up again. The fact that they've extended that to 2027 and lose out that leverage ahead of a world cup that we're hosting uh, is, is, is harsh. That's hard. That could have been a really monumental moment for the players to really make a significant difference to their futures. Yeah, absolutely. And just to wrap everything up, by the way, uh, because we could have a whole episode about this, uh, but we have a lot to talk about, but uh, just one more point to remind everybody that MLS now begins uh, April 17. And that that's just common sense, just, you know, as more people get vaccinated and, you know, think get a little bit easier for everybody, the league itself in the U.S. to improve. Obviously, this begins as well with the opening of new stadiums for Austin FC. FC Cincinnati and defending champion Columbus crew as they open as well. So there's a lot here uh, to discuss, but it, you know, one point, Jimmy is the fact that now uh, April 17, hopefully this country will be in a better shape uh, as it opens MLS. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't mind the, I don't mind the schedule starting a little bit later. I, mm -hmm. I think having more prep time to your point to kind of get prepared for what looks like a, another arduous season of can fans come? Can they not? And working through the pandemic as it starts to evolve into whatever it's going to evolve into with these variants and everything else that's out there. So yeah, I don't mind it. I think it just allows them to prepare and be a little bit better suited uh, for that. And then obviously you got television rights, right? Like what are the best times to have games? I suspect I would like to see like a Thursday night game of the week, right? Yeah. If you can have these types of schedules and fans don't matter. So you don't have to worry about weekday games anymore. You know, start having a Thursday night game of the week. They did it like when I was a player and they need a Monday night football. They need something that's just theirs. And why not make it Thursday night and see if it sticks, right? This is your, this is your best time to try stuff scheduling wise to see how it hits on TV. Cause the ratings aren't great. Um, obviously we all want them to be better, but, but well, let's try it and let's really build some hype around it. And really let's make that the game of the week, understand the players, give people a reason to, even if you're a casual to, to invest in the players and or teams that are playing that particular night. That that's <laughs> I'm off my soapbox. Thanks for having me. No, that's a really good idea. Thursday night MLS. I think uh, there's a window there to be open. And by the way, uh, the scheduled for preseason was meant to be February 22nd, but Don Garber said that that's obviously going to be a little bit later. No confirmed date, but that's it. MLS. All right. When we come back, we'll bring in James Bench and discuss a little bit more of news and then we'll preview the entire weekend. Stay right here. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Kigo Lasso Weekend Preview. Jimmy Conrad, of course, and James Bench. James, how are you, sir? I'm really good. I'm, I got a haircut. I know you look great. I'm like, <laughs> wow. like a Premier League footballer. I'm incredibly <laughs> well haircutted for lockdown. Um, shout outs to my partner who did mine for me. Wow. What about uh, where's, the Phil, where's the Phil Foden racing line in your hair? I That's what I want to see. You should have gone with it. You should have gone with it. My new favorite. <laughs> this week. Well, James Bench, you look fantastic as always. Uh, I know this but is an audio medium. 
<laughs> no, people go on YouTube, man. People watch it on YouTube. You forget about that. Come on now. Um, all right, listen, let's uh, begin, everybody. As we mentioned, we can preview, but we begin again just with another piece of news, just quick thoughts from both of you, uh, from Jonathan Johnson, our very own Jonathan Johnson. You can read his contact on cbsports.com. Neymar. Neymar is out for at least or up to, I guess, four weeks. An abductor injury after the cup competition against Cannes. Why, why would, why Pochettino are you putting him in there in the first place? But that means he's out against Barcelona. Definitely the first leg. I don't know. We'll see about the second, but definitely out. It's a major news. Jimmy, just very quickly on that. Neymar out again. Such a shame uh, against his former club. He'll be out. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like the memes are coming about some birthday party that he may or may not have had on his well, own birthday there. There or his sister's birthday or whatever's going on. The memes are, are, are out there and they're spread. And, and those are one of those injuries that could be due to some dehydration, to some fatigue, to not taking care of yourself. So I think he'll, uh, I don't know, rightfully or wrongfully get some criticism about that. And there'll be some links to it. It's, it's, not, it's not great, but I think PSG is still in a good position to, to get some results. I just, again, I think they're a little bit more balanced than Barcelona, even though Barcelona's doing okay. Defensively, Barcelona, very, very shaky. You're killing Mbappe and your team. Icardi, who's in good confidence. Moise Ken, who just scored against Khan in, in uh, the French Cup. I, I still think that. Di Maria, I'm not saying he's a bigger loss than Neymar, but him and Neymar being out for leg one is, is significant. I think Di Maria will be back for leg two. We'll see about Neymar. Verratti is still the guy for me. If Verratti's playing... Uh, PSG are a different side, and, and that that's more of a key. Isn't that crazy to say that Verratti might be more of a key guy than Neymar, but but uh, in a lot of ways that he is. And so I'm not too worried for PSG, but it's still a concern, obviously, because uh, Neymar is one of the best players in the world. Yeah, I, I'm going to – I think Di Maria is a bigger loss uh, than Neymar, to be perfectly honest. James, Benj, what, what do you make of it, Neymar? I, I would agree. Um, so the thing with Neymar is he could he could have had a first leg – for the ages, he could have been brilliant. And we've seen that, you know, I mean, my mind goes back to the Man United tie in the group stages where he was, you know, this was Neymar as one of the best players in the world. But then we also have big games involving PSG where if you play Neymar and you play Mbappe and maybe you play a centre forward as well, you just end up with so many passengers in defence. And you would rather have the option to pick Neymar, but at least, you know, this way, Pochettino can have something more approaching a systemic approach to dealing with Barcelona rather than just, you know, we'll have these eight guys doing this and then two or three players up top that will not really defend much. That's the bright side. I mean, obviously, you know, we want to see the best players in the Champions League, but, you know, Neymar and Mbappe does not make a, a good first line of press make. That was the one bright side for PSG. Yeah, and that the press make is emphatically so when you are coached by Pochettino. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. All right, let's talk now, people. Weekend preview. Let's begin in the Premier League. And we have to begin, of course, top of the table. Uh, Jimmy Conrad talked to them about them as uh, right now the best club in the world. Man City against Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham, who, my God, just went through like the most ridiculous FA Cup fixture against Everton, losing in the end 5-4. Jimmy, Man City, Tottenham, uh, a big game for both, especially Mourinho, you think, but... (laughs) I mean, the, number, the number one storyline has to be Pep versus Jose. I mean, you just you can't get away from it. They have a long history against each other. 
animosity, respect. I think it's all intertwined there between these two, obviously big time competitors, Jose Mourinho, and he mentioned it in his press conference after the Everton lost five to four, that anytime a team scores four goals, and I'm paraphrasing him a little bit, you have to win the game. And a lot of it is due to these defensive mistakes. Spurs have just been, I don't know, there's the, they have their own pandemic going on in terms of defensive mistakes that's going on and they can't, they haven't been able to figure it out. And then on top of that, Lloris maybe isn't making the saves. You need him to make those if there is a mistake. And it's a real pile-on effect. And when you go up against currently the best club in the world, that's going to be a problem. Now, the fun fact is the last time City lost was against Spurs in mid-November 2-0. And they've gone 22 unbeaten since then. 16 clean sheets over those 22 games. 15 in a row in all competitions. Setting records left and right. They know exactly who they are. They know exactly how they want to play. And they are on the road to a lot of success for the rest of the season. Spurs are not, they're in eighth right now. They are struggling. They need to win this. I just don't know, even with Harry Kane and the team and Hingman's son and the team, I just don't know if, if they've got the goods or the confidence ultimately to overcome the city team. However, I will say Ruben Diaz could be out for this one and maybe even, I would say more importantly, but Rodri got hurt at the end of that Everton game. He came off. Fernandinho is also hurt. If Gundawan has to sit in there and he's been scoring goals for fun right now, if he has to drop a little bit deeper, they're obviously a different team. So it's, you want to keep an eye on that before you make any bets. What I'll say, though, on William Hill, it's, it's City are such heavy favorites. It's crazy to me. Spurs are plus 750 to win straight up, which is, dude, Hingman's son and Harry Kane are the second leading goal scorers in the Premier League. They're, two, they're, they're a couple goals behind uh, Mo Salah. It's, it's wild that you can get that kind of action on Spurs winning straight up. But even the bookies are like, nah, we don't even believe in Spurs right now. So that's kind of where I'm looking at. And well, in terms of betting, I haven't, if I don't know, I got man city to win both teams to score plus plus one seventy. I feel like that's the one that's really safe. Phil Foden was excellent against Liverpool. It's a false nine. I think he'll get rolled out again there. Gabriel J. will come off the bench. Uh, him to score any times plus what is it? Plus one twenty. him to get an assist, which he had against Liverpool as well. Plus 200. Those are the values that I'm looking at right now. It's, it's not looking good for, for Spurs, but plus 750 for them to win straight up. I wouldn't mind throwing 10 bucks on that. You never know. Yeah, it's not happening. Man City is ridiculous. Okay, it doesn't fine. matter, Rodri. Right. Thanks for Rod having me, everybody. <laughs> okay, Gundogan sits. All right, fine. Phil Foden, Ferran Torres, Raheem Sterling. James Bench, what do you see here? It's got Man City all over, right? I can tell you how the game's going to happen. Go I, ahead. I go I ahead. Let's see Jimmy with the betting odds. I'm going to tell you the whole game. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Tottenham defend in huge numbers stoutly until about the 40th minute, at which time one of the, the centre-backs, who are not of the standard that they can execute a Jose Mourinho game plan for a big game, which necessitates absolute per perfection, one of them makes an error, 1-0 down at half-time. Spurs come out maybe a little bit more open in the second half. That means a second goal comes because they've got to chase the game and then the game's over. That's just, <laughs> you know, that's the Liverpool game. That's the Chelsea game. It's yeah, kind of the yeah. way that Mourinho knows. And that game plan can work, but that game plan necessitates a defender like Ricardo Carvalho, John Terry, Sergio Ramos. What it doesn't necessitate is Eric Dyer, Toby Alderweireld, five years past his prime. You know, it's about not having the players to play the way Mourinho wants. And I remember speaking to him in a press conference a few weeks ago, kind of innocuous question about Joe Roden, who is a great young centre-back. And he was saying, you know, well, you know, some teams have the money to spend to fix their defensive problems, you know, as in Spurs don't. Um, and that's really, for me, it's what it comes down to is 
Mourinho only knows one way to take on a team like Man City. It's it's in his DNA. It's the mm-hmm. way that that every one of his teams has approached top creative talent. But it just doesn't work without the best of the best in defence. And like you know, like Jimmy said, Lloris is is liable to make a blunder. Dyer, Sanchez, what Roden, whoever you put there, it's just not quite good enough. Um, but then I just I don't know what you do. You can't. It's not like you can open up because then City will rip you to pieces. I, I don't often say this, but I do feel a bit sorry for Mourinho. Um, he can't do anything but it's like he's doomed in this cycle of trying the same thing without the players to carry it out. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty much on point. I think that's exactly, and they're going to throw everything. They're, the ball boy from last season that saved them in that championship, <laughs> they're going to just throw everything. But in the end, Jimmy Conrad, Man City just has too many weapons. If it's not one player, it's another one. I think the only saving grace, if there's a hope, it's, I think, Rodri. I think if he's out, yeah, because he's such a vital force in that midfield, but there's just too many weapons. It's just too much. Right? Don't you think? Yeah, hundred percent. And and to James's point and to your point too. I mean, so many options. Yeah, if Gundawan does sit, you do have these other guys that can come in and do well. Uh, it, it, <laughs> I don't know what I can say. I feel like we've we've showered the accolades to City. I think we're going to continue to do it throughout. But but to James's point, it is uh, Mourinho special. I think being set up. I think they even now that they made so many mistakes against Everton, I don't think they're going to take any chances in the back. So any hope of Spurs fans, and I actually feel sorry for Spurs fans too, of them possibly trying to settle the game from the back is over for the time being until they can just eliminate those mistakes, which means it's going to be a pretty choppy game. I think a lot of, they're going to hope they win a lot of second balls. You know, Harry Kane can maybe knock something down, play it to Hingman's son, and they can counter with two players and hope for the best. I think they'll score. I do, but I, I think that city just going to have too much for them. It's, it's, Really interesting time for Spurs. Also, this is a preview of the League Cup final in April. So yeah. I think there's going to be a lot to glean from this particular matchup and, and how each team plays. Obviously, in two months' time, there are going to be different players out there, and who knows which of, which of them are healthy. But it's, it's, it's an interesting time. And, and, and for Spurs, this is a must-win game for them. If they really want to start to be considered for the top four, maybe they don't. I don't know. I'm sure they do. But, but maybe that's not where their focus is because Marina's like, I'm just going to win one trophy this season. And top four isn't a trophy, right? The League Cup's a trophy. The FA Cup's a trophy. The Europa League's a trophy. Top four is not a trophy. Uh, It'd be interesting to see how he rolls his team out, not only in this game, but moving forward. All right, give me your uh, final score prediction then, Jimmy. Just real quick. Let me see. I'll I'll, I'll say say 2-1 to Man City. It could be 3-1, but I I like City to win and both teams to score plus 170. I think that's the safest bet on William Hill right now. It's some decent value. James Benj, final score prediction? 2-0 City. Yep, I'm going with 3-1. I think they'll score, but Man City's got too much. I think it'll be 3-1. All right, let's move on here. Uh, another good game, Leicester City mm-hmm. against Liverpool. Brendan Rodgers facing his old team and uh, maybe asking for some mortgage payments from <laughs> his old house, right? Is that? But Leicester City against Liverpool, uh, you know, we know, of course, uh, the tragic news, uh, you know, the tragedy that Jurgen Klopp is uh, going through right now. We talked about it. Last episode, uh, you know, there's a lot going on right now with him, but also the club itself. Jimmy, how do you see this one? It's a big game for both, to be quite honest. I don't know if Liverpool has given up now on the title hopes. They're not the club that usually would think gives up, but realism has to come into place at some point. And meanwhile, Leicester City wants to try and do their best to stay in a top four uh, situation. Yeah, I'll start with the Jurgen Klopp stuff first. I feel like... 
sports are a nice distraction uh, for grief in particular. I think him having something else to focus on to, to kind of, you know, put that emotion into something else in a positive way will be good for him and, and for the team overall. I think very cathartic maybe in some ways. Hopefully it goes well for them. I feel like every press conference after games that don't go well, he is, he's not happy. And, and obviously we have the context of understanding why in a lot of different ways. But it would be nice if something broke Liverpool's way this season. And I say this, and what's crazy is that Mo Salah is still the leading goal scorer. It's not all doom and gloom. They're the second highest scoring team in the Premier League. So they're still doing a lot of things right, despite the fact that they're struggling based on the expectations that they've set for us over the last few seasons and everything they've accomplished. This is a huge game, as you mentioned. It's third versus fourth. Leicester are three points above Liverpool on the table. And Liverpool are only one point ahead of Chelsea and West Ham. Three points above Everton, who they play next week in the Merseyside Derby. And uh, only four above Spurs. So we're giving Spurs a hard time, but they're not too far out of it either. I think it's going to be a crazy end of the season, different conversation. Now, Leicester come into this one with a late goal by Ilya Nacho in the FA Cup over, over Brighton, 1-0. Uh, James Justin, though, got hurt, which is pretty significant. We'll see if he ends up playing or not. I don't think he will. He's been very good. Uh, and they just don't have a lot of a lot of cover in the back at the moment. A lot of guy, other guys are hurt as well. Uh, Fofana stands out for me with regard to that. I think Liverpool can take advantage. Um, I think they've had a week to prepare. They don't have a midweek game. Very Jurgen Klopp-esque, right? He's playing 4D chess. The rest of us are playing checkers. He got out of the FA Cup as early as possible, so you don't have to worry about these midweek fixtures. And I just feel like with that week of rest, with everybody kind of now understanding where Jurgen Klopp was coming from, I think there's just going to be a collective sigh of relief. I think they're going to get at Leicester in this one. And they had one of their best performances earlier this season against Leicester. It was 3-0. And they played very, very well. Diego Jota was, was one of the key men in that one. He's not playing in this, but he's coming back. He's going to be coming back soon. Brendan Rodgers, as a Leicester manager, has never beaten Liverpool in three tries. I'm going, to say that, I'm going to say that trend continues. I don't care where the game's being played. I like Liverpool to win straight up, plus 111s, which is pretty actually good, uh, good value for them. Uh, if, you want, if you want to take it another step further, both teams to score, and Liverpool to win is plus 250. I, I like that one a lot. Um, so those, that's what I'm looking at on William Hill. And I think uh, Liverpool is going to want to show up for their manager. I think that's going to yeah, happen. That uh, James Bench, how do you see this one? Uh, as, by the way, both teams are getting ready for Champions League and Europe. Yeah, I mean, the Euro Europe's really interesting because, you know, you've got to have an eye on that RB Leipzig game. And I think Liverpool will be thinking the best way to get something really significant out of this season is to win the Champions League. And you, they're still a favourite, but a really, really, really tough tie ahead. For me, I mean, this is something I've just been writing about and I, it's such an interesting, nerdy little thing, but Thiago right now is on a roll when it comes to fouling opponent, opposing player. <laughs> the, sec the player with the second most fouls in the Premier League, this is a weird one as well, is Adamola Lookman. Wouldn't have seen that coming. 15 fouls since January the 1st. He's second place. Thiago, top 21 wow. in less than 600 minutes. The guy is a fouling machine. It's relentless. And for me, this kind of like, he, he typifies everything that isn't quite working in Liverpool, where you see him do lots of great stuff. His eye for a pass is still there. He's still creating chances and getting the ball forward. But he's having to do so many things he's not comfortable with. You know, he looks behind him and it's Jordan Henderson and some kid from the academy that he's never heard of before. And there's a counter-attack coming his way. And he's thinking, oh, Christ, what do I do? I better, better foul this guy. And he's doing it time and time again. And it must be it's such an incredibly frustrating experience for Liverpool where they're, they're in this loop of everyone suffering because there's not the quality guys in defence behind them. And I, don't, I just don't see that ending. And I can't think of many worse teams 
to be in that situation against than Leicester that just love to hit you on the counter that will burst in behind Vardy. I think is back now. He played in midweek. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's a huge boost for Leicester and they are a really smart team that defends so well. I know that having no James Justin is a loss, but you've got Ricardo Pereira shout out for my guy, Vontae Daly Campbell as well. Young lad who made his debut uh, in the FA cup. I don't think he'll play, but you know, that's, there's some good depth at fullback. So, I really like Leicester to to do something to annoy Liverpool in this game. I think they're the sort of team that are always so relentless when they when they smell weakness, when they smell a problem with an opponent. So I quite like Leicester to to get a win here and um, turn this into a three team well into a two team race for second. <laughs> yeah, no, very good. A contrasting uh, you know thoughts here, uh, Jimmy. What's your final score prediction for this one? Yeah, I think uh, emotion will carry the day. I think Liverpool are going to be up for it. I am curious to see who rolls out as a center back. If Kabak's going to get his first start as a 20-year-old, Ben Davies, I think he's going to roll out one of them in this one with an eye on RB Leipzig, to James's point. I do like the bet, though. When Benz was talking about Thiago, he has been super aggressive. He's got three yellows so far in only eight games or something crazy. He's plus 33 to get a yellow card in this one anytime. If you want him to get the first yellow of the game. First yellow, yeah, exactly. First yellow of the game. Is plus twelve hundred. I'm like, eh, I got ten dollars. I might, I might splash some cash on that and see if I can somehow get six degrees of separation to to Tiago to like, hey, dude, go keep two footing people in the butt. You know, that's what he does. So I don't know. It's it's that's a that's pretty good value though. The plus thirty three thirty three or three hundred thirty three, especially on Harvey Barnes. That's just definitely happening. <laughs> All right. Exactly, so what exactly. what's your final score prediction, James Bench? Two one Leicester. Okay. Oh, this is hard. Uh, I'll just meet both of you in the middle. I, I say it's a draw. Let's go, mm. but a high scoring draw. Let's go right. two, two all. All right. Uh, very quickly, West Brom, Manchester United. Uh, you know, sometimes you never know with United, but West no, Brom. It's, just, it's away from home. It's away from home. United yeah. got this. Oh, that's true. They're not at Old Trafford. Okay. That's right. Um, but James Bench, beginning with you, just because Arsenal's uh, hosting Leeds as well. Pretty good game. Um, you would think. But you got some stuff going on. As also Arsenal getting ready to face Benfica. Uh, what's going on? What's the latest with uh, with the Gunners? So much going on with Arsenal. I can't even follow where their games are. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. They, they announced the second leg was in Athens. Uh, now it's not in Athens, but it might might be in Athens again. Who knows? Everything up in the air about that, and also up in the air whether Thomas Partey will be involved. Arsenal have confirmed he won't play against uh, Leeds this weekend, which is a huge loss because he's kind of their only press-resistant midfielder. Uh, from what I've heard, certainly the first leg, it's it's highly doubtful that he will play. Um, and, it, you know, this is a potential race against time to be involved in the tie at all. It's such a big blow because right now Arsenal season is, as it always seems to be, cup competition or bust. You know, can yeah. we win the Europa League? And that would actually turn the whole season into a success. And you need Partey for not just the round of 32, but for every single round. And it is like every single week to come. So that's going to be a really tough dilemma for Arteta. There's a Man City game in the middle, no Kieran Tierney as well, probably for the first leg. Oh, this is getting hard for Arsenal again. This is kind of eking back towards late November, early December territory. I'm, I'd be very worried if I were playing a team like Leeds. Yeah. And, and by the way, a Leeds United who's above Arsenal uh, in 10th and, you know, just 32 points Unbelievable, Jimmy Conrad. I think for a newly promoted side, hasn't been in the Premier League for a while. Marcelo Bielsa's first time ever managing in the Premier League. I mean, there's a lot to say here, 
but a pretty good game. Any any lines on this one? No, I mean the ones that I'm looking at, you know, Arsenal are the favorites, minus 118. The draws plus 285. Leeds doesn't draw. They either win big or they lose big. So I don't suspect there'll be a draw in this one. Just depends on picking your poison, whether you think Leeds is going to score. If you're leaning towards the Gunners getting something out of this and they need to win to kind of break this kind of thing that the Benj was talking about. And they just need to score in general. Only 27 goals so far in their, what, 22 games? That's that's not good enough. They need Lacazette. They need Aubameyang to kind of re- regain their form and stay consistent, ultimately. I could see both teams scoring and uh, Arsenal winning. That that value for you guys on William Hill is plus 210. That's not bad. But I kind of like Leeds to win straight up as well. I just think they can slap you around. What I like about them is that they have an identity. For better or for worse, no matter what's happening, even if Scott McTominay scores two goals on them in the first three minutes of the game, they don't care. They're going to continue to do what they're going to do. And I love Marcelo Bielsa for that. However, it does work against you at times. So if Arsenal can kind of figure out a way to maybe press them early, get them to turn over some balls and they can punish them, that's the thing. I don't know if Arsenal is that team this season where they're punishing teams for their, their, their mistakes. And so that's where I think Leeds can slip in there. So I kind of like Leeds straight up. I could see both teams scoring and Leeds winning five plus five fifty is pretty good value. Not bad. Not bad at all. All right. What's your final score prediction here, James Bench on Arsenal Leeds? Uh, one nil Leeds. Okay. Wow. Bold. Did you give me? Uh, no, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'll say two one Leeds. Okay. All right. Not bad. Not bad. All right. Listen, when we come back, we're going to take a break. And then we'll do the rest of Europe, Serie A, La Liga, and maybe some Bundesliga as well. Stay right here. Kego Lasso will be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Kego Lasso Weekend Preview. Jimmy Conrad, James Benj. We're going to go around Europe now. Some good games. In Italy, we have Napoli against Juventus. Inter, Lazio, pretty good. La Liga, you have Real Madrid against Valencia. Barca against Alaves. Granada against Atleti. And Bundesliga on Friday, RB Leipzig begins uh, the match day weekend with uh, against Augsburg. Borussia Dortmund against Hoffenheim. Bayern Munich not playing. Of course, as we speak, they're getting ready just for the Club World Cup final. What do you have here? Some good games, Jimmy Conrad, especially in Italy. I've got my eyes on Italy for some reason. Yeah, there's there's a couple good ones that I think people should pay attention to. Napoli versus Juventus, of course, is probably the biggest and most flashiest of all the matchups. Uh, Napoli got their butts handed to them by Atalanta midweek in the Coppa Italia second leg semifinals. Uh, congrats to Atalanta for getting to the final. Gasparini is the man. But they didn't have Koulibaly. They don't have Manolas. Uh, Gulam, the, the backup to Koulibaly and Manolas is also out. Their defense got shredded by Atalanta. I don't think that's going to slow down uh, against Juve. I think Juve can kind of see things for what they are. They're so close to, to really scraping the heels of both Milan clubs at the top. They, they need to continue to get this win. Milan, or excuse me, Napoli needed as well. They are uh, in sixth, and they want to. If they really want to still maintain their their hopes for the top four and get in the Champions League, they need to win this too. I just don't see them doing it. I like CR7 to score because that's what he does, and Juve to win either 2 0, 2 1, or 3 1 at plus 450 if you guys are CR7 fans. But if you just want to play it a little bit safer, I think both teams will score. I think that Napoli does have enough going forward in Chucky Lozano, who scored midweek against Atalanta. Uh, Dries Mertens is out, unfortunately. Lorenzo Insigne will be kind of running point up there. as cute as a button like Papu Gomez. But I think you made a win of both teams to score plus 290. is probably the safer of it. But if you're a diehard CR7 fan, that's the way to go. And then with the other one, Inter Milan Lazio. Yo, this game is crazy because Inter Milan, at least in the league, are unbeaten in their last five lots you have won six straight in the league they're now in, got 40 points they're tied with roma and who have 40 but have better goal difference or uh more goals for 
uh, in fourth. So Lazio are on something fierce. I kind of like the under in this one because four out of the last five have been under two and a half goals, even though Romelu Lukaku and Latara Martinez are two of the highest scorers in Italy and Shiro the hero Mobley plays for Lazio. So this is another must win for both. I kind of see a draw, honestly, and I think it'll be one, one for them to both score uh, is plus two seventy in the draw. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm seeing there. I don't know. What do you guys think about those, those Italian matchups? No, I love it. And that inter Lazio, by the way, is like the wrap up basically of, of the weekend. So it should be a very good one. Serie A is where I'm focusing so much because, mm. you know, they're trying to catch up so much to AC Milan. James Bench, anything from those uh, games, not just Italy, but anything, including La Liga, Bundesliga, etc. Well, you guys have got me all buzzing for Serie A, so that's a <laughs> um, I, I, The Napoli one is fascinating because uh, last month, wasn't it, uh, De Laurentiis issued the dreaded vote. I think you have to call it the dreaded vote of confidence mm-hmm. right. in Gattuso. Uh, not just, I mean, you know, teams lose to Atalanta and they lose heavily, but, you know, they lost to Genoa as well, I think, and they drawn with, with Atalanta. They've lost to Verona recently. It's not going well, and... Obviously, right now on the market is a former Napoli manager in Rafa Benitez who could come in and, and tighten things up and actually wouldn't need Koulibaly to have a top-tier defence. <laughs> the, 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 the funny one for a team like Napoli is, is, is now the right time to act? Because after Juventus, you've got Granada. That's going to be a really, really difficult Europa League tie. Atalanta, yet again, I swear it's like the only team they ever, ever play. So the question is, do you want a new manager to kind of come in and play around with things during the most decisive point in your season equally do you still trust Gattuso to to give him these big games I don't know what the answer is I'm not I'm not really sold on Gattuso as a coach who can do much beyond that immediate impact he has with his force of personality and I think if someone like Benitez is available and is willing to come back that's a that's a long-term project for Napoli to kind of get them back to where they were so interesting I think you know, I would be really thinking about Gattuso's future if I were if I were De Laurentiis, and I think maybe they do need to. Horrible as it is to ever say you need to move on from a manager, I think maybe the time has come to just mm. assess the market. Interesting, because I, I think a lot depends on what happens uh, in Europe. But you know, it would be a very interesting uh, component that you mentioned. Of what? What do you make of that, Jimmy Conrad? Uh, because yeah, Rafa Benitez is available, and he, is. He, and he knows Cesaria. He does, but he managed my Newcastle and we were the most boring team. Yes, was it practical and pragmatic and all those other buzzwords we can use in terms of getting results? But I mean, we had 15% possession at home against Southampton in games. You're like, well, nobody wants to watch this. Yeah, we might stay up, but nobody wants to actually watch this. So yeah, I mean, I, I like Rafa Benitez. Obviously he stuck with the team through the championship and got us back promoted. All, that's all good. And he is very organized. And he's got the reddest cheeks of any manager I've ever seen in the history of the game. <laughs> but I will say that I kind of like it too. So I think there's a little bit of swagger there that Benitez maybe doesn't have. He's just too pragmatic. And, and I wouldn't suggest that if I was De Laurentiis, but he, he might see it differently. Obviously, it's, it's his team. And I guess it maybe depends on how they play against Juve going forward because now they are handcuffed. They are missing some key players. Can Gattuso still get a lot out of the guys that maybe don't have as high expectations? So that's what I would say with regard to that. Yep, no, and it's a very big game this weekend. Anything, by the way, from La Liga? Because, I mean, Atletico's yes. just like rolling and rolling and rolling. Two games in hand, but good. Now that's not going to be that easy, Jimmy. No, I think Atleti will do the business. I think they're in fine form, and I think they want to keep that form up. And I think Ben said it before, ahead of Europe, right? You still want to keep have a good game the week before you have or the weekend before you play a couple of days later. 
I like Real Madrid Valencia. I know Valencia isn't the same Valencia. They tried to sell all their players in the last transfer window and got a few of them gone and, you know, saving the books or whatever. But Valencia had their best performance of the season back in November. They slapped Real Madrid around four to one. I think Madrid need to, they got two now wins on the trot. Benzema scored against Hitafe midweek. So I kind of like Madrid to kind of, all right, we gave you that other one. We're going to take it back this time around. Uh, I'd say Madrid's going to win. I think both teams are going to score because there's a lot of vulnerability in that Madrid back line. And that's plus 180 for that to happen. If, if you want Benzema to score, there's some action there. But that's what I like. And I'm really focused on that because Madrid seems on the precipice of like, which, where are they going to go? I feel like they're at that fork in the road. Are they going to go and kick on to be the Madrid that we've seen in the past? Or are they going to continue to stumble and not be as good as they once were? I, I think we're almost there. And then we're going to see it obviously come to life in the Champions League as well. Yeah. Anything from you, James? Uh, in Spain, Barcelona losing to Sevilla. Uh, maybe they'll try and get something back against Alaves, but Atleti's looking good uh, the more you see them. Atleti's looking so good. And I know, obviously, we're going to preview the Champions League next week. But I, I do this every time before the round of 16 comes around. I'm starting to like Atleti, not just for La Liga. That might be in the bag. I think they might win the Champions League, you know. Ooh. This is a... Wow. It's so difficult. I think most of it is I just like at this time of year, I just go defense wins championships. And I'm not sure it does in football, but I just go, yeah, no, they're not going to concede sloppy goals. You know, I think they've, they've got a few more weapons. My question is always when push comes to shove, will Simeone just be that little bit cuter and kind of use the, the great attacking weapons he has. But like, you know, I mean, I know they obviously dropped points against so. Celta Vigo and they weren't great in the group stages but it's yeah I really don't know I do this every year but I like <laughs> go and win the whole thing well and you forgot the number one reason Luis Suarez looks so yeah. up for every single game right now and like Luis Suarez on form Jimmy Conrad is is something to watch out for uh what do you make of that yeah I I, I don't know if I agree wholeheartedly with James about their Champions League uh, hopes, if only because I didn't really like them in the in the group stages. I know they're a little bit of a different team in that first match day when they got beat by Bayern Munich 4-0. They're, they're not the same, and they've got some confidence, and they've got a healthy Luis Suarez, and they kind of got out of that Diego Costa situation where I think his behind-the-scenes maybe attitude was bringing him down or maybe bringing the team down, and Joao Felix is playing better. But they were still had to go to the last match day to even qualify for the knockout rounds and had to go to Austria to beat RB Salzburg, and RB Salzburg, RB Salzburg gave them a game. So I think there's still some vulnerability for whatever reason in Europe, but they definitely have it locked down in La Liga. They are the favorites 100% to win it. And I suspect that they will. I just, I, I don't know. I think they'll get past Chelsea. I think it'll be a tight one. I think Thomas Tuchel will make Chelsea difficult to break down. But after that, I think it's just going to come down to the draw. Aren't they a, little, a different team now, though, Jimmy, than, than when they, they, you know, I they feel are, like they're they are. a much I mean, better team. I mean, yes, in some ways, I think they're starting to continue to evolve under Diego Simeone. And I like that he's starting to kind of release the hounds going forward and not being uh, so Rafa Benitez about his tactics, <laughs> attacking wise, to bring Rafa Benitez back into the conversation. Uh, so that's been nice to see. But um, I don't know, as an Atleti supporter, I'm, I'm going to temper my expectations for the Champions League, but I have full expectations they're going to win La Liga. Well, there you go. All right. That was our show. But before we say goodbye, let's get final thoughts. James Bench, final thoughts from anything uh, from this weekend or anything that you think that you wanted to mention and I very uh, meanly didn't uh, allow you to say. No, you, you keep doing this, but I keep forgetting that you do this. It's like, <laughs> can, we do, 
you know when you go to a job interview and at the end they go, I should have said this yeah <laughs> and you don't have one and you suddenly realize I've not got the job <laughs> well you have the job here James Bay so even if you don't have anything to say don't worry about it it's fine you still pay me <laughs> exactly <laughs> Jimmy Conrad anything to add yeah, really quick in the Bundesliga, I just want to, if anybody's interested in the German foosball, I would say Wolfsburg versus Borussia Mönchengladbach is the matchup Ooh. to watch. Uh, Wolfsburg have quietly got up to third. Uh, they have, they're, uh, they're unbeaten in their last five, haven't even given up a goal in their last five. And now they're only three back at RB Leipzig uh, for that spot. Eintracht Frankfurt was also doing that. Mönchengladbach for all the hype we gave them, the kind of the Southampton of Germany a little bit. Oh, they're so good. And now they've been crashing a little bit, lost to FC Cologne. Uh, this past uh, weekend or midweek, and and uh, that's not a good look for them despite all of their talent. So they're kind of stumbling into their own Champions League affair. So we'll see how these teams play out. But I just want to give a shout out to Wolfsburg. They've been very good recently. Love it. Love it. The only thing that I'll say, by the way, that I forgot that I wanted to say last week or earlier this week is that, you know, congrats to Ted Lasso and Jason Sudeikis being nominated for a Golden Globe, Best Amazing. Actor and Best Show. Gotta love it. I yeah. love it. So we're rooting for you. They're filming season two as we speak. But that's it. James Bench, thank you, buddy. My pleasure. Jimmy Conrad, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and James Bench for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. You can watch the entire episode and other videos right there. We're also on the website. Make sure that you have a great, great weekend. Thank you